Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. Aren't Christmas songs just so nostalgic? I, I don't know if you sing those and it takes you back to a place of maybe in your youthful years, maybe like when you were yesterday, but... It has this historical, nostalgic type of feel where it could take you back to some Christmas season a long, long time ago. Or maybe it's these wonderful snow... Anyone got snow boots? I got some snow boots on today. Anyone got see some cowboy boots and some snow boots? You know, I got these in like 1993, something like that. I've had these things for since I was in high school. It was I, I worked at Athletic Village and... Uh, on a deal, uh, I got on my employee discount. Bought these shoes, and I've kept, Chad, you you would understand that I've kept these things for years just because they're my only snow boots. And I love them, rain boots, snow boots. They're perfect, and they're kind of back in style. My wife disagrees, but I think they're kind of back in. You know how things things come around. Yeah, she's got some similar. Hers look a little bit cooler, but these things have lasted. They're great. They'll probably never. Uh, I don't think I could even recycle them. But you know, as as we begin this morning into our time in the Word, uh, I'm a little conflicted because I'm a little tired of 2020, and, and I know some of you are too, but I'm also tired of bemoaning 2020, right? It's a little cliche to keep throwing 2020 under the bus or, or blaming 2020 for things or using it as an excuse, but uh, to be fair, on the other side, there's a lot to complain about, from obviously COVID-19 to Snowmageddon today, right? <laughs> It's just kind of funny, but, but there, there is a lot to pinpoint at 2020 and blame. I, I heard this week a brand new Christmas song, an original Christmas song. It's hard to come up with new Christmas music, but I heard a new Christmas song. And the whole idea and theme of this Christmas song uh, was that Christmas needs to save the year. It, it, Christmas is going to save 2020. It didn't say 2020 specifically, but it was made this year, and it's pretty obviously what it's talking about is that we need Christmas to save this year. I've heard people have that same sentiment when they said, hey, we put up our Christmas stuff early. Right? Halloween ended and stuff was up. Lights were out. Tree was up. Or we broke our traditions. We have these family traditions, but we broke them because all bets are off in 2020. And so we're trying to help 2020 be better. And so Christmas stuff is going to happen now or early. Now, there's a, if you think about it, there's a lot of pressure on one holiday, right? I mean, we're, we're putting a whole lot of pressure on Christmas to be our saving grace. But we do that with Christmas because Christmas is what? It's supposed to be the most joyful time of the year. We're told it should be happy and, and that you're going to have this wonderful time with friends and families and, and even coworkers. Christmas is, is supposed to be the time where you experience all the warm fuzzies and peace. That's what Christmas is supposed to be. Yet according to the National Institute of Health, Christmas is a time of year that some people experience a high incidence of depression. I've even seen that some psychiatrists, psychologists, and other uh, mental health experts, professionals, they report a significant increase in patients complaining about depression during the Christmas time. I saw one survey that said 45% of the respondents dreaded the Christmas season. That doesn't sound like the season of peace. It doesn't sound like Christmas really does save the year for a whole lot of people. Why can't it be a downer? Well, I think for some people it can be the uh, over-commercialization uh, commer of Christmas. 
There's a lot of emphasis on what you spend or, or what to buy. You know, there's posts going around, like don't give a, a gift uh, of an iPad because then I gotta get my gift my kid an iPad, you know, those types of things where there's this pressure from some people to uh, keep up with the Joneses in their gift giving and spend a whole bunch of money because my daughter wants this or my son wants this or my spouse wants this. And so I feel like I have to get it, even to the point where people go into debt over Christmas. Some people dread it just because of the social expectations, whether that be some sort of Christmas party or, or get-together or some sort of responsibility you feel to, to be around a family member or, or be around people that you'd rather not spend time with. On the other hand, some people are very lonely at Christmas. And, and that might be because uh, they suffered a loss uh, of a loved one or, or, or maybe they just want a significant other to spend the Christmas with, but yet they don't have that significant other. Then you got 2020 people are afraid to be around people and afraid that they might get sick or they might have someone else that's elderly or, or older get sick and they don't want to bear that pressure. And so there's a lot of pressure on Christmas. It doesn't seem to be bringing a whole lot of peace for a large segment of people. But it is ironic. That's the word that shows up in a lot of things that we read. The word peace it could be movies we watch could be songs that we sing, just like what we sang. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. In fact, there's a lot of songs at the Christmas time about peace. And specifically about these angels declaring peace or, or singing about peace. There's another one that you maybe uh, remember back in your Christmas carol Days It came upon the midnight clear. You know that song. It came upon the midnight clear, that glorious song of old, from angels bending near the earth with news of joy foretold. Peace on earth, goodwill to men, from heaven's all-gracious king. And so in this Christmas time, peace is a big deal, but there's an obvious correlation between these angels and what they sing in peace. And so today, I want you to go to Luke chapter 2 in your Bible. And we're going to see this song the angels sing and, and, and how it ties into this word peace. Now, we have a lot of people in the room today very thankful for that. And, and I would love for you to use a device to uh, use as the word of God, or if you brought a copy of God's word, great. We'll also have it on the screen. But if you're at home, uh, I would love for you to go get a Bible. Use that. If you're watching on your phone, use some other device. If, if you have a tablet, or, but if you have a copy, I want you to find that. I want you to follow along with us today. I'm going to go through different passages, but a, a large section will be in Luke chapter 2. Now, as you're finding it, I think it is important to mention that this was not a time of peace for Israel. It, it wasn't um, uh, where everything was okay, conflict-free. It was a rocky period in their history because the Romans were in control. And so the Jews were marginalized. They were outcast. And in this process, the angel comes to the virgin girl named Mary and says, you're going to have a baby, and, and you're going to give birth to God's son, Jesus. Well, nine months later, the night Jesus is born, there's a host of heavenly angels that appear to some shepherds. And it's in this encounter that we're going to see the third song of Christmas. We've already done two songs uh, and, and you can go back and listen to that on the podcast or our, our live stream is always posted on YouTube and Facebook. 
But here we're going to see the third song of Christmas. Luke chapter 2. Let's start with verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. That's what shepherds do, right? Verse 9. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. We got one angel. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. We talked about this last week. Angel shows up. It ain't a baby with a harp, okay? Scary stuff. Don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior. Yes. The Messiah. The Lord. This is huge news, all right? This is breaking news. The Savior. Yes, the Messiah. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a, what? Manger. A trough. (laughs) Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven. Not a bunch of baby with harps. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, are you picturing this in your mind? It's hard to because we don't know all the details and even what that looks like, but you can imagine The armies of heaven, a vast host of others, they've all come and they're praising God. This is the song, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord, they knew that was a messenger from God, which the Lord has told us about. And so there it is in in the angel song. We see the lyrics of Christmas and this focus on peace. This is what they sing. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Christmas is all about peace. The advent, the coming of the Messiah, the Christ, the Prince of Peace. That is his name. And we see, and Luke talked about this week for E-Kids in Isaiah, Prince of Peace. Christmas is all about peace. In fact, I would say it's pretty obvious to say peace is prominent in the Christmas story. But I want to unpack that. Because logically, there can be a disconnect when we talk about peace and what the world looks like, i.e. 2020. Or... The, the year of our Lord and his birth. Okay, so I want to unpack. Just because the Prince of Peace had been born, that did not mean all problems went away. It didn't mean all conflict stopped. It didn't mean that death didn't happen anymore. It didn't mean no more sickness. It didn't mean that, every, that heaven had come to earth in the literal sense of being perfection with no more tears, no more suffering, no more crying. Even shortly after the Prince of Peace had come, After Jesus was born, there was a ruler named Herod who heard there was this infant king. And he was a little threatened by a baby and thought, I don't want anyone competing with my role. And so he ordered that boys two years and younger would be murdered, killed, slaughtered in Bethlehem. Because he knew that's where the Savior was born. And so he had these kids killed. That doesn't sound like peace on earth, right? But yet peace had come. The prince of peace had already been born. And then we have already a major conflict. So were the angels mistaken? Was the prophecies of old, were they wrong? Or was it possible that God maybe had something different in mind? 
maybe the arrival of the Prince of Peace didn't mean conflict was over on a global scale or even on a personal one. So what did it mean? So I want to look at a couple different passages where Jesus talked about peace. If you're still in your Bible, flip over to Matthew, first book in the New Testament, Matthew's gospel account, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is sending out his disciples to do ministry. And as he sends them out, he's going to give them a little pep talk. Like a good coach, he's going to motivate them, all right? He's going to say, win one for the gipper. He's going to pump them up for the mission. Now look at his speech to them. Matthew 10, verse 32, as he sends them out, he says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. That's pretty good. Hey, you're about to go acknowledge me, and I'm going to acknowledge you. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Okay, Jesus, great warning. I heed that. Thank you for it. Verse 34, here comes the the go get them speech. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. Yeah, go get them. I'm not so sure that would be the speech that that I would have gave. Jesus said, "I, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. A sword would represent division is what he's talking about, which is interesting because the word for peace that the angels use actually come from a Greek word, uh, arene, and the root of arene is aero, which means to join, okay, or to, to put or, or bind together something that was separated. It's literally this picture of, of putting back together something that had been separated or divided. That's what peace is. It's wholeness. We might describe it as, man, they got it all together. They got their stuff together. They got it all together. That means that's what peace really is about. It's that they're whole, there's wholeness there. There's a joining together. There's not division. But Jesus said, no, no, I came to divide. And then he specifically mentions how that would play out. He says, your own family might not like you. Your own family might not approve of you and your love of Jesus. In fact, that's going to create division with some families because you love Jesus and they don't, and that's going to be a problem. And he says, he says it very clearly to them. He said, whoa, 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 hang, whoa, hang on. I thought Jesus was the Prince of Peace. I, I thought we just heard a beautiful song about the angels saying that peace had come to earth. So how could he say that? You might even be good in your Bible, and you know the word of God. And you say, wait, Jesus also told the disciples about peace. John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So how do we make sense of this? Did he come to bring peace or not? What what is Jesus trying to communicate to us? Is it sword? Is it peace? What is it? I think we could kind of sum it up this way. He did come to give us peace, but not a peaceful life that is conflict-free. In fact, write that down, okay? Take a picture Tweet it out, whatever you want to know. He did come to give us peace, but not a peaceful life that is conflict-free. Now, we'll see this in John when he just said, I came to give peace of mind. The world can't give it. I give it to you as a gift. In John chapter 16, 33, I think Jesus really helps us understand this whole peaceful feeling, peaceful situation that God has promised us, what he is talking about. John 16, verse 33. Jesus says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. 
about him being the Messiah, the Christ, that he's going away to the Father, that he will return. He's told us all of this, that we may have peace in him. And then he says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. So do you see that? He says, you're going to have peace in me, but in the world, you're going to have trials and sorrows. But take heart, he says, because I've shown you the way here. I have overcome the world. So Jesus says, you're going to have peace in me, but troubles in the world. Peace in me, troubles in the world. So the peace that we receive, the peace that we get, doesn't mean everyone's going to be for us. Doesn't mean everyone's going to be for you. It doesn't mean there's going to be no more trouble, no more calamity, no more pain, no more suffering in this fallen world. It does not mean that. Jesus never promised that. But Jesus said, I do give you peace. And, and you're going to take heart because I've overcome the world. And you can have peace of heart and you can have peace of mind no matter what trouble you face. You can have peace and I will give it to you. Trouble will be there. Hardships will be there. But boy, I got peace. I got peace for you. You can think about it this way. If everything was perfect, you wouldn't have peace because you wouldn't know despair. Do you understand? Without the pain, you, you don't know the pleasure. Without the trouble, you don't know the peace. To have peace, you have to be aware of conflict. There's got to be conflict to know that you have peace or can have peace. And the peace God gives is present in the problems. Write that down. Okay, this is very important because the peace God gives is present in the problems. And the biggest way to experience the peace of God is actually through the problem of sin. Because we've sinned, God's justice had to deal with sin because he's just. And so sin had to be dealt with. And thankfully for us, God chose to deal with sin through his son. Romans chapter 4, verse 24. It'll be on the screen for you. I'm going to go right to it. The end of verse 24. God will also count us as righteous... If we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, he was handed over to die. Why? Because of our sins. Your sin, my sin. Why did Jesus die? Your sin, my sin. We've all sinned. And he was raised to life. Why? To make us right with God. Can you be right with God by your good works? No. We've sinned. But he was raised to life. To make us right with God. And then in the next chapter, it just continues to verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, not your works, by faith in Jesus, we have what? Peace with God. How do you have peace with God? Your faith in Jesus? That's what gives you peace with God? Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We have peace with God because Jesus died for our sins and our faith and trust in him. And so this peace we, we receive, it doesn't come because of a lack of conflict. Paul, who wrote this, had peace. And he told us about this peace that we have with God. But he was a man that lived a life of trouble and pain, shipwrecked, beaten, imprisoned, martyred for the faith. He had conflict, but he had a peace with God, a peace knowing he was in 
right standing with God. He was covered by the righteousness of Christ. He had been redeemed by the blood and sacrifice of Jesus. That's amazing peace. And when we become a follower of Jesus Christ, we have that peace. That peace becomes a part of our lives, that same peace. And it's only through that relationship with Christ that we can have that ultimate peace. To know God's got us. He's in control no matter what this world looks like. He is good. He's got us. We have a wholeness because of a relationship with the Father. And we have forgiveness of our sins. And so Jesus gives us that peace. And then he wants us to share that peace. Joel set that up for us beautifully. He said, spoiler alert, but I'm a little upset because he gave my whole message in five seconds. But you're going to get 30 minutes of it. I don't care what Joel did. John chapter 20, verse 19. I kid, by the way. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors behind the, uh, because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. What does Jesus say? Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. I mean, this is the risen Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. It says, you are my disciples, and as I've been sent, I'm sending you. They are to continue his mission, just like we are to continue his missions, uh, his mission as a follower of Christ. And part of that mission is to bring peace. And we need to know what type of peace we're to bring. The Father ultimately sent Jesus to give his life, but he also had three years of ministry where he loved people, he healed people, he blessed people, he taught people. Some received his peace, but also some rejected his peace and hated him for it. It doesn't matter. We are to take peace. We are to bring peace. Some will receive it and some will reject it. That's going to happen to us. But what Paul says in Ephesians, he says, hey, put on the full armor of God. Now, part of the full armor of God I always find interesting is in Ephesians 6.15. Of course, we got the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, uh, shield of faith, sword of the spirit, belt of truth. But then in Ephesians 6.15, we see this. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Shoes. The shoes are peace. We got a belt of truth. We got a helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then we got these shoes that are peace. Why shoes? Because you need peace wherever you go, and you need to take peace wherever you go. You, you can have peace wherever you go. you got the shoes of peace, but not only are we it to be for us, but we're to give it. We're to take it. We like peace, but taking it can be another thing. See, I think that's where the tension lies. We, we like peaceful feelings more maybe than peace itself. Because do we want to go about the hard work of making peace with those who disagree with us? Are we just more content to ignore it? See, I think we would like to feel peace more than we would like to bring it. Bringing it's a little bit more work. It's a little harder, we could say. It's easy to feel it. We like feeling it. We like to have that peace in those moments. But are you a peacemaker? Are you taking peace, giving peace, bringing peace with you wherever you go? It can hurt. It can cost you something. Oftentimes, it's your pride, it's your expectations, it's your comfort. But what if we could get past all that? What if in the middle of our circumstances, no matter how messy they are, we would live up to the calling that, we, that Jesus has asked of us to be a peacemaker? In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, what did Jesus say? He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, I'm not sure how to bring peace 
on earth with, with hostile governments and warring countries. Okay, we're going to always have co- conflict, but I think we don't add to the conflict. And Jesus said, there's going to be a division because we follow him, and that's going to happen. But as we take peace, that doesn't necessarily mean that on uh, non-essential matters that we need to add to the noise, to add to conflict, that we still could strive to bring peace to the circle of influence that God has given us, to our little corner of the planet. What if we work this Christmas on the ones that, uh, of being the ones that demonstrated and extended and participated in peacemaking? What if this season we tried to point people to the Prince of Peace? To the Savior that had been born, that peace had come. What if this year, instead of uh, ignoring people that we don't want to spend time with or we find awkward, we actually tried to initiate a conversation with, to have a dialogue with? I know that's crazy, but what if we just thought, what if I could help bring peace what about the damaged relationships around us? And, and instead of ignoring or even adding fire to the flame, we tried to bring peace to those situations. What if while we brave going out into this crazy world and, and we're Christmas shop or Christmas errands or even just go eat, and instead of being non-peaceful or angry or irritable or quick to lash out, we were quicker to compliment, quicker to encourage, quicker to pat on the back six feet apart and say, hey, you're doing a great job. I know it's tough. Just the, uh, yesterday, we had a, a basketball game and there was a, a little conflict in the stands over some of the policies that were being required for those attending. And Kim's heart as a peacemaker wanted to encourage the, the person trying to enforce the rules and just say, hey, I a little touch on the shoulder, I know I'm, you're, you're trying to do the best that you can. What if we weren't a Karen and we were a, more like Jesus? Isn't that funny? Poor Karens, you know. That, 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 that name is down in infamy now and kin to a certain degree, but more Karen is, is just brutally ruined for life. But what if we more look like Jesus What if instead of just thinking about yourself, you look to bless someone else? I mean, Christmas is really about blessing others, generosity, giving. What if that really became your focus this year? Instead of looking inward, you look outward. The world is lacking some peace. Our lives, our homes are lacking it as well. But the Prince of Peace has come. And experiencing this peace was really not meant to be a passive experience. We are meant to participate in it. To step into it and to to take it, to bring it, to invite it. And so we need to go about the difficult work of representing peace that is so often missing even at Christmas time as we interact with the people around us and even our families. Maybe you use this Christmas season to your advantage and you point people to Jesus. You know, when the shepherds heard about Jesus, they said, we got to go see him. What if you were more like the angels singing their song and you sang it to the people around you and said, hey, I want you to know peace has come. Now listen, I've heard some of your voices. You don't literally need to sing it, but you can say it. Peace has come. The angels told the shepherds, 
which is kind of funny that it's shepherds. God first told the world about his birth through smelly old shepherds. Not the religious leaders, not political leaders, not government leaders, not kings, not queens. Shepherds, common, everyday people. What did they do with that news? Luke chapter 2, verse 16, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger, just like everything was told them. Verse 17, after seeing him, look what the shepherds did, what they do. They told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Listen to me. If the shepherds can do it, you can do it. Hear me. If the shepherds can do it, you can do it. You can actually talk to people about Jesus. You can. Shepherds did. They weren't trained. They weren't educated. They didn't know all the answers. They could tell you all day long about sheep. They couldn't tell you all day long about God. But the angel showed up, told them that Jesus was born. They had an encounter with Jesus. And then what they do? They left saying, we got to tell you about this Jesus. We got to tell you about the Messiah. We got to tell you about the Savior. Point people to him. If they can do it, you can do it. Point people to the Prince of Peace. Point them there. Tell them about peace. And peace has a name. His name is Jesus. It's not abstract peace. It's not peace in a product. It's peace in a person and not a human. And God, who came in the form of a human, lived a human life, died a sinner's death, and was resurrected for me and for you so that we can have real life. Point people to Jesus. You got peace shoes. You know, I, I didn't even mean to. I, I randomly talked about my, my kicks this morning, my snow boots. I've had these since high school. I, I, I didn't even plan to do this, but it works out beautifully. How long have you had your peace shoes? That's really hard to say, especially when you have had a tooth extracted this week. So I'm trying to say it eloquently, but it's not. Your shoes of peace. How long have you had them? When did you give your life to Christ? They, they tucked away in the closet? Are they in the box? Did you throw them out? Use them. Metaphorically, if you, like literally you threw out shoes, are gone. But they're, they're around. You still have those shoes. Put on your shoes of peace this week. And take them. And I bet wherever you go in this 2020 world, you're going to have more peace. You're going to experience more wholeness, fullness. Your relationship with God will be more intimate and rich. But I also bet that if you put them on the right way, you'll take peace into that little turmoil that you know is out there. And the stranger at the cash register that needs just a little smile and encouragement, a word of encouragement or a pat on the hand probably more up here, less away from the fingers. But take your peace this week and point it to Jesus. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be together. You're good, God. Thank you for your anointing. 
thankful for everyone that would be in this room and, and, and get out here. And I pray for safety as they go back. But Lord, thank you for those online as well that have given up the time. And I just pray, Lord, that I feel like I met with you in this time. And I pray that it, uh, everyone tuning in in this room would, would feel that too, that we're in your presence right now and you're good. Thank you for the peace. And I pray right now that we wouldn't leave here without peace on our feet. That we would have our shoes of peace on. And as we go, I pray we would point people to you too. And may this Christmas season, more than any Christmas season before, we are more active in pointing people to you. And thank you for opportunities to do that online. Thank you for opportunities to do that face-to-face or mask-to-mask or whatever it is, God. But may we seize those opportunities to, bring, to be peacemakers. But yet we understand if we live for you, there will be a sword. There will be division. And I pray we would not cower to that. But in that conflict, experience your supernatural peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And so thank you so much for today and this time we've had together. In your name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.